Welcome to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, and with me is my co-host and colleague, Dr. Shannon Ward. Bob, we've got Dr. Dave Johnson with Dave us Johnson today. Is with us. Yes. And, uh, I'm, we're, so I'm always excited. I probably should stop saying that because I really well, am excited this is about exciting. everybody that comes. Our podcasts um, are always exciting. Yes, I think yay. so. Well, they're fun, and you know, Dave, <laughs> they are. you know, and they're important. They are. This is just a great opportunity for current students, potential students, even clinicians, alumni. I mean, it's, it's you know, there's a lot of potential for for listeners here, and so, um, you know, I know just in the time I've gotten to know, you've got a lot to offer, and uh, so students need to know about you. They need to know that. You're a, a faculty member here and just bringing a lot to the table. So um, Bob and I are going to ask you just some general questions, but uh, feel free just to take us wherever you wherever you want us to go. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Bob, we're really kind of, I think, leading off in some of these interviews with how was it that you chose counseling, Dave? Well, that was... Um, okay kind of a non-traditional road from what I see with a lot of um, counseling students that I, I typically work with. Um, so actually when I started college, I was actually studying music and uh, was a music major for about a year and a half, and that got really old really quick and um, stumbled into a psychology course and fell in love with it and um, did a a bachelor's degree in psychology, and I think from there wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but jumped into um, a master's program in educational psychology. Uh, around that same time, I was um, starting to work as a direct care staff at a treatment center working with um, um, abused and neglected adolescent school age girls. And so I had these kind of two experiences at that time where I was working in this degree in ed psych that was um, you know, big emphasis on assessment and kind of the research and philosophical backgrounds in uh, psychology and mental health that um, some parts of it I really enjoyed. Some, some of it was a little disenchanting about how does this actually apply to helping people. But also at the same time, um, you know, working with these kiddos and really seeing how important just relationship was in terms of, of helping. Um, from there, I, I finished my degree in ed psych uh, and then ended up going back and taking some classes in counseling to meet licensure requirements. At the time, I was living in Texas. Um, and so from there, I became a counselor. And so I think it was those early experiences in the profession of seeing the importance of relationship and how how important that was and then seeing how I think the counseling profession to me kind of embodied that a, a little more in the training and mm -hmm. so um, I think that's kind of where I, I gravitated away from psychology and into counseling um, after a few years of being in practice, I, um, well, during that time in practice, I was able to work with um, the kiddos, but I also had a treatment team that I supervised, uh, some direct care staff. And it got to the point where I, I was finding as much professional gratification in training and supervising my staff as I was in working with um, the kiddos I worked with. And so that just led me to recognize 
I have this interest in trying to understand what is it about this relationship that we can form with people that's so beneficial and curative and helpful and growth promoting. And what is it about teaching other people to do this that's so enjoyable to me? So from there, just, um, you know, pursuing a PhD in counselor education just made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I did. And that's... How I'm here. Well, it's good. I think a lot of students will hear that and have some of the same or similar experiences of, you know, I'm interested in helping. Maybe that particular degree is or is not fulfilling. We, in fact, have said before, Bob, you know, Mm -hmm. that uh, in terms of admissions criteria, our students really can have any background you know, in terms Absolutely. of, uh, you yeah. know, yeah, do well in your undergrads, but it yeah. can be any number of majors. And um, and then though, there are those other pieces that begin to materialize as you give it time. You know, I do know, I think students sometimes are so fast. I've got to make that, mess, that next step. What yes. is it? And really, you know, David, what you're talking about there is, is it kind of came to you. You had some direction, some you, you were aware, but then it really kind of, I guess, as we say, the path emerged, you know, more yeah. and more. And um, what brought you joy and um, that all just became more and more clear. I think that's very similar for the students in their mm-hmm. own development. And, um, so then came Counselor Ed. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you were at Wake and then you were in Texas. At, I was in Texas first. Texas. And, and then, then I was here at Wake Forest as a visiting professor mm-hmm. for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, Indiana State University for a year. And, and then, then we got you back. Came back to Wake mm-hmm. Forest. And, um, and students, Dave, what do you normally teach so students will know? Yeah. So um, typically I teach uh, the diagnosis course. Um, and uh, clinical mental health internships. And those mm-hmm. are kind of my two main courses that I teach. Yeah. Now, diagnosis. Bob, now that yes. doesn't feel right, at least historically as counselors, we might not have thought of ourselves as much in the diagnostic process. But, uh-huh. um, Dave, what do students need to know about their place, their market, and their need to understand diagnosis? Yeah. I. Um, well, I, I think diagnosis is one of those courses that um, a lot of students come to with some preformed opinions, and they kind of come in thinking, um, I don't want to do this because it's going to be hard, um, or it's intimidating, or I'm going to have to memorize this entire giant book. Or they come in kind of with this idea already in mind that I'm I'm a counselor and I identify as, you know, humanistic or identify as, you know, postmodern or this is kind of my emerging counselor identity and I'm not going to do something that involves labeling or pathologizing. Um, And I think there's merit in both of those positions. And then I think um, there's... For, for most of us who are going to work or go into clinical mental health counseling, I think there is some, um, some nuance that has to come into that perspective. I think the reality for most clinical mental health counselors is, is if, if you plan on making a living as a counselor, sooner or later you're going to be making a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, that doesn't mean that you have to 
make that the be-all, end-all of what you do, but I do think counselors need to know how to do it because most jobs will require that they do it. Um, and so I think for me as a, as a professor um, teaching this, I, I present it to my students as this is a skill that you need to have. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of think of it like um, if this was um, – if we were training nurses and we never taught them how to draw blood, would that be a problem? Because, you know, this is a skill you're most likely going to use in your profession. If, if uh, we were engineers and we never taught them you know, how to draw plans for something, sorry, I don't know enough <laughs> about engineering to make that Great analogy. Plans. But the yeah. idea is, like, you know, this, this is a skill and a task that you're going to be expected to do in your job. And part of our responsibility to make you a trained professional who's marketable, you need to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I think another piece is, is just in um, – you know, there, there are some states where counselors are not able to diagnose. Um, and it can be a, um, an aspect of our identity that can, that the ability to diagnose and the skill, having that skill and then having the ability to do that, does keep us competitive with other mental health professionals. Because um, in, in many agencies, that is... Um, kind of part of their their business model is the ability to bill third-party payers. It's typically going to be through a diagnosis. Now, now we can talk about whether that's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, could it be done better? But right now, it's the reality for most counselors. And so I think for our ability to at least say we can do a diagnosis, not should we, but can we, it's something that we need to consider in terms of, of making ourselves a competitive profession with, with other mental health professionals. So I try to bring in those points. Mm-hmm. I also try to bring in the points that um, we, we take a strength-based perspective towards our clients. We take a holistic perspective towards our clients. And so within that, we need to understand diagnosis but we also need to understand that that's a piece of where we look at with treatment planning. Um, in the diagnosis course, that's, that's kind of the other emphasis is on treatment planning. So um, I try to bring in a lot of the contextual aspects of treatment planning that we know account for client improvement. Um, we know that the extent to which the counselor can form a strong working alliance with, with a client um, is a much more robust predictor of client success compared to what interventions you are using. Uh, the ability for the counselor to match the therapeutic interventions to the client's stage of change is, um, you know, their their readiness to engage in work and to make changes in their life is is a far more robust predictor than you know matching a particular treatment to a particular diagnosis. Um, and so it, we, we talk about these things. We bring these ideas in. Um, we talk about how human development plays into um, diagnosis and kind of take a step back and we think about how, you know, if you're seven years old and you're struggling with anxiety, um, you know, there's, there's probably some issues around your anxiety that are impacting the relationships that you have with other people. And 
you know, those relationships are the, the ground for how you meet different psychosocial developmental milestones. And if they're, if those are impacted, you know, at, at age seven, but you don't see this client until they're 23, which is not uncommon for a lot of people. It may be six to 12 years between them experiencing the symptoms of a diagnosis and ever seeing a counselor. If you really want to understand this person, you, you really have to think about much more about what's happening to them. What is their developmental history? What does that look like? How might these symptoms they're having now impacted what's happened before? Where are they in terms of really wanting to be ready to change? Here's what I think their issue is or what might be going on for them, but I need to figure out what they think about it so we can be on the same page and move forward. How do I, t how do I who thinks about clients from this perspective cater and individualize this for my client who who sees the world in a different way, whether that be around uh, cultural dimensions, whether that be just around different cognitive styles of interacting with the world, whether that be different spiritual or religious beliefs. Um, all that has to be done with a diagnosis. And that's what I like for my students to take away is there's there's a skill of using a tool. And that's diagnosis. There's a skill of making a mm -hmm. diagnosis, but that's one piece of much, much more. And sometimes the diagnosis might be the most important piece. Sometimes it might not be. And that's what I hope my students will take away. Yeah. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. yeah, it and I think about it, too, um, uh, the importance of students to know diagnosis because Sometimes we'll make, as counselors, referrals to another profession, professional that may have an expertise in an area that we do not have, mm -hmm. and they will receive a diagnosis. And so we need to be conversant with that. Or sometimes we'll receive a referral from another professional, and the client will come in with a diagnosis from the profession. And to be able to be conversant with that and understand that would be a value. And also, like you're saying, too, to understand how the client sees that diagnosis. Yes, um, and I, it varies, and I think uh -huh. having having our students be aware of that. Um, you know, I share with them that um, I've I've had some clients that um, after working together for a while, we kind of collectively, me and the client together, come to an to an agreement that this individual probably has PTSD. They meet these criteria and we talk about it. And for some of these clients, it's a huge relief to know, okay, this thing I'm going through has a name mm -hmm. and this thing I'm going through, it's, it's just not me being crazy. Like this is a thing and it's a thing people can have treated and can get better. And that can be a huge relief and provide a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. Other clients though, there can be a lot of shame and a lot of stigma around a diagnosis and what it means. Um, and so we have to kind of be aware with a diagnosis of the, the, the variety of ways that that could take on a different meaning for a client. And, um, you know, it's again, it's very individualized. Mm -hmm. and so we have this big book, the DSM, that seems very clear-cut and and applicable to across the board but it's it's still a very individualized process not only in making that diagnosis and thinking about 
the primacy of the diagnosis and moving forward of treatment, but also, you know, Bob, like you were mm-hmm. saying, what what does this diagnosis mean to the client, and how is that meaning going to um, potentially hinder or benefit our, yeah. our work together? Yeah. Heal or harm? Yes. Help or harm? You know, yeah. That way. yeah. And that's that's a diagnosis we make in our assessment that's <laughs> of the client mm-hmm. too, as well. So we're right. always doing that, whether we do it um, clinically or formally. That's right. Yeah. Or just, um, it, I think it's. Um, a good sale, if you will, to the student. Like, because on those ends of the continuum, oh, I don't know about this. This seems really daunting, or oh, I'm not labeling, or when may, those may not even be the ends, but they're on the continuum. Where that student is falling, to hopefully they all can get behind the idea of client-centered care, of being really um, cautious and responsive in our information gathering, and then our use of that information. Um, so I, I get some of that too occasionally in the assessment class of more of the philosophical bent of I don't want to diagnose, but in essence we're always diagnosing because we're conceptualizing a client through some framework, and that should be yes. an organized uh, framework, such as in diagnosis. It's it's very an organized process. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to think about that. that it's, it's a way of organizing what we're thinking about it, and here's a way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's a tool. You said it. You know, this is a tool I want to give to you students so that you're prepared for the field. One, for the client and that client's care, but two, for the marketability of it. Or to be, as Bob, as you said, conversant with other professionals. You need to be able to speak the language. Yes. Um, so ever how we need to sell this to, to students, uh, Dave, that's what you're finding in diagnosis is I want to sell this to you. I want to encourage you this to say in a practical way, in a holistic way. And hopefully most students can get behind that. I think especially when they think about the, the client care that is wrapped up in everything you just talked about. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm striving for, and um, I I always like to at the end of the class I always like to to get feedback from students about you know, from from day one to today. What did you used to think, and what do you think now about diagnosis? And I'm always um, eager to hear about what it was like for them, and I hear a range of responses, but. I always feel like I've done a good job. If there is a range of response yeah. from the student, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not invested in any of my students leaving class and liking the DSM more or hating it more. Um, I'm, I'm not invested in that. But what I am invested in is that whatever thoughts you had about diagnosis coming into the class, they're more sophisticated and nuanced when you're leaving. And that you're confident that you can use this tool in a beneficial way for your client, what, whatever mm-hmm. that might mean. But yeah. that you you know how to use the tool mm-hmm. and you have some ideas about how to use it effectively and competently. Um, and that you're a little more sophisticated in your thinking about it than, mm-hmm. than when you started. Mm-hmm. Well, from those days of thinking, hey, I'm really getting a lot of joy from training and supervising my staff, you know, to now uh, years gone by, now counselor education, you sound like you still have the same joy. That doesn't seem to have gone anywhere. Uh, I think you're right. Um, One of of my (laughs) most exciting um, things I love about this job is um, I I love teaching students. 
But I also like when I can have those one-on-one moments and talk with the students about how the th- how they see the things that they're learning play out in their work with clients. Um, and so I know in my internship courses, um, I I love it when I have the opportunity to have a phone call with one of the students who's maybe on the other side of the country or another state, and you know they're. Oftentimes, I have uh, students that are taking the DSM class while they're doing their internship. And so I kind of know them in both venues. And I, I love when those opportunities come up for a phone call or for, um, you know, an online chat. And we can talk about and they can think through, okay, hey, I'm starting to actually see how that thing that we talked about in class is playing out and now I get why we're doing this and not that, but I'm not quite getting this piece yet. You know, so I like having those conversations where they start to put these pieces together and they're taking what they've, what they learned in their theories course and seeing that meld with what they're learning in the diagnosis course and then with the development and with cultures and then seeing that inform what they're doing with their client. Um, to me, that's one of the most exciting things, and um, it's one of the best things about this job. And that is yeah. exciting. Yeah. And you're yeah. in a good place where you see that with the internship. Yeah. And, and that, so that's, that's a great level of satisfaction and enjoyment for you, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, even at residencies and being able to see the students yes. beginning to put those pieces together and then maybe in a few semesters seeing them in internship and being able to see that further development of those pieces. It's, yeah. Um, that is nice. It's exciting. It yeah. is. I'm thinking relationship, Bob. You know, Dave said yes. in my undergrad, I really felt and began to see more and more clearly. It was relationship. That was where healing was at, a possibility for healing. Absolutely. And now counselor education, still relationship is key. Mm-hmm. Much like with the diagnosis, we were talking about client-centered. Uh, this is student-centered. And yeah. that's something that I hope we as a department are. I think we are. But, Dave, you definitely add to that, that passion you have. And students see that, you know, when we make time. And um, I hope that's one of the things our current students, our alumni can say of us so that potential students, you know, that you will hear this and that we are very student-centered. We're we're busy. We're highly invested in these programs that we have, the clinical mental health counseling, the school counseling. We offer those, of course, Bob, you know, on our Mm bricks-and-mortar campus and in our online campus as master's degrees. Um, But we're invested in relationship, and Mm -hmm. we're doing it, again, uh, I know I always come off, I hope not to come off as sounding bragging or arrogant, but I really do think we're very intentional about relationship and cultivating that with our students so that they will cultivate that with their clients. I hope that's coming across. I think it's coming across. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope for any potential students who are, are listening to this that that drives them to get more information about us. Absolutely. And I so enjoy doing the podcast in this way where we're mm-hmm. showcasing our faculty. And I hope some of the students will um, who are thinking about applying will see how, how much we are committed to making yeah. exceptional counselors, developing exceptional counselors, uh, but also have a chance to hear our faculty like Dr. Johnson and mm-hmm. come in and realize that they could work with him and learn from him yeah. and just have that kind of excitement. So that's that's something that just really, I was thinking about that, I think, I hope they listen to that and just hear how much we're committed to helping you be the best counselor you can be. Yeah. That's why we do these podcasts, Dave, and so, right, people will know, you know, just as you've found out of your long career now and continue to find out all the benefits and joys of this field and the work that's yeah. required of it, um, they're hearing that in you and can seek you out as a mentor even, you know, as if they uh, are hearing some things thinking, I need to know that. 
that faculty person, that professor, and that counselor. I always think of us too as we're clinicians and professors, and uh, I like to tell our students that that truthfully, while we are professors, really we identify with counselor first in many cases, and then professor. Yeah, in so many ways, that's accurate. It's it's about my clients that I'm working with. I'm I'm trying to help them to grow and develop to be in a healthier place. And my students and supervisees, I'm trying to help them grow and develop to be in that place to help others to grow yeah. and develop. Excellent. And so there are, there are many parallels to to um, counseling and counselor education. But yes. it, it does come back to that relationship. I think we've... I think we're there, Bob. I think. Dave, thank you so much. Dr. David Johnson with us today. Bob, we did it again. We did it again.